today uh, with something new that um, Pastor Clark asked me to uh, speak this year. Every fifth, all the months I have five mo- uh, s- Sundays, so I'll be speaking on on those Sundays. And uh, the Lord kind of put on my heart, um, probably like uh, last year in the summer, that uh, that uh, to to bring forward the elders of the church and and get them to share with the generation that's coming up. You know, when I think about my life and the walk that I've had with the Lord, I'm thankful for the Lord, that the people that the Lord has placed specifically in my life at a specific time when I really needed them. And uh, I can I can truly say that um, that those people have left an impact on my life. They've, they've changed me. Uh, the Lord through them, their ministry through their lives, um, gave me something to look forward to. Um, and when I was going through those difficult times, I would remember them. And so today, you know, I know there's a lot of people here who probably don't like to share, and the person who's going to come here is probably not a person of a lot of words, but tremendous character. And that's what we truly desire and we need in our young people is character. And so he's a blessing to my life. He's a blessing to this church, and he's so special to this church. And, and I invited, I spoke earlier this week to Brother Russ, and uh, I asked him, and at first he didn't want to. He said, you know how he is. Um, and I, I, I didn't want to force him, but I knew that the Lord had something special. Um, so I'm going to ask him to come up here. Brother Russ, come on up here. And, and I'd like you just, I asked him, just share what the Lord puts on your heart, what the Lord has done for you something that the Lord has given you. And uh, just before he shares, um, I asked Brother Russ to come over at the beginning of the winter because he is the, the all-time fire man. And uh, back in the Midwest, when I couldn't go to the fire festival, and, uh, you know, Brother Russ took me two weeks to make the run because Brother Russ worked more than five minutes. They're all young people here. Okay, well, 
My story starts out many years ago, and uh, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because I know they want to preach. So uh, when I was young growing up, uh, my stepfather had some family in Bay City, and we used to go up to Bay City once in a while, and I would sit in the back seat and I would look out the window and see all those trees and, and all those woods on both sides of the road. And I couldn't figure out, you know, I, I loved it so much. I thought if I just, when I grew up, if I just built a house back there, nobody would even know I was there. <laughs> and uh, so as time went on, I got to find out I couldn't do that. But uh, anyway, I, I've always wanted property. And when I was got older and got a job and I was saving my money and my dad said, what are you saving your money for? My stepdad. I said, well, one day I want to buy a farm. Well, you don't want to buy a farm. You've got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, go out and milk the cows and everything. And I've never been an early riser, so I got to thinking, you know, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, so I kind of brushed it over and uh, went on with my life, got married, raised some kids in uh, Garden City and stayed there for 30 years. Worked at Ford, and re I was about to retire. And my blessed wife said, you know, you're going to re be retiring at 65. She told me I was going to retire at 65. <laughs> I didn't want to retire because I love my job. Anyway, so uh, we decided, she decided that we were going to go and look for a place to move after you retire. Or, or now. So we drew some signs around where we lived, uh, circles, you know, five miles, 10 miles, 15 miles, and finally got, we couldn't find anything. What she liked, I didn't. What I liked, she didn't. So anyway, we went on and uh, just forgot about moving. And one day, well, I didn't forget about it, but one day I picked up one of the magazines for buying a house, you know, housing, and I, opened the book up and just a short pages inside the book there was this farm in Jackson. Well, I didn't know it was in Jackson. But this house and 80 acres. And uh, so I told the wife about it and she says, well, call and find out where it is. So I call them and they said, well, it's in Jackson. Well, I, I don't want to go to Jackson. I said, that's too far to drive. I still got five years to work. And she said, well, you know, if you don't at least go out and look at it, you're going to kick yourself later. So we went out and looked at it. And uh, then I drove from there back to Forge, and it only took an hour to drive. So I said, well, I can do that for five years. And in that five years, I never much as had a flat tire. Okay, right driving back and forth to Jackson. And uh, as life went on, uh, we made, made an offer. <laughs> I tried to drew the guy down, you know, and I tried to see if he'd take more, and he, he just said, no, if I can't get what I want, I'm not going to sell it. Well, I have a house on 80 acres, and back then I only paid 80000 for it. Still trying to drew him down. <laughs> but anyway, the Lord finally uh, made arrangements, and we did go out and buy the farm. Now, that took a lot of years. I mean, the Lord is patient. Yeah. A lot more patient than we are. Yes. 
When I was a kid, I wanted to buy a farm. When I got a job, I wanted to buy a farm. And I didn't get it for almost 40 or 50 years later. So it's all in the Lord's time. That's right. There are many times when I go out in the fields, I was in the hay field one day and I lost a part off of my, I had my lawnmower with me, and I, I lost a part off of the lawnmower. And uh, the hay was a, almost a foot high. And so I started following the tracks back and say, you know, I know where I've been. I'm going to go and look and see if I can find that part. Well, looking for a part that big and, a, and hay this big is kind of hard to do. So eventually I, I just stopped. I said, Lord, this is ridiculous. I said, I, I can't find this. And I looked down, and there it was, right where the Lord had stopped me. And that has happened to me more than, a, more than once. And it also happened to my neighbor. We're walking through my field and through my, down the path one day, and he had his dogs. He was out rabbit hunting. He called his dogs and he whistled and he, come here. And he pointed on the ground and they were my keys <laughs> that I had lost. <laughs> and he come out and brought them back. He said, well, here's your keys. Well, he said he just accidentally did that. That was the Lord. Amen. And so many times, this has happened to me so much. And, uh, you know, I just... I, I owe him everything. I owe him my life. Uh, I'm 86 years old now. Uh, I'm not on any medication. And thank the Lord, you know. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing. That's the best part of it. <laughs> People say, you know, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I, I don't eat right. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a good cook, and I don't want to learn. But... The Lord has sustained me this long. Yes, amen. The way I'm eating, so why should I change? <laughs> I mean, the salad, you know, and this and that and the other thing. It's, it's just not in my, I'm just not a cook, that's all. But those are, those are just a few of the things. The biggest thing was the farm. I mean, I, you know, I still bless him and thank him every day when I go out there. And whatever I do, cut wood, although I try not to let any more fall on my head. But he is. He, he's blessed me uh, so much uh, in so many different ways. And uh, he's still blessing me. Yes. Amen. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Love you. Love you, dude. Thank you. So just listening to Brother Russ, it's amazing. You know, I always think about that. He, when I uh, talk to him, I always ask him, how you doing? He says, oh, life can be better. So yeah, I'm out here in the trees, I'm out here, and the word of the Lord says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. From a very young child, he desired that farm. Amen. And he spent his life, if you know him, he delights himself in the Lord. And the Lord has given him the desires of it. If you hear when he speaks, you know, when, when did he find that tractor part is when he said, Lord, I can't do this. And then the Lord did it. And that's how it is in our own lives when we come to that point where we just say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. It's got to be you. And that's when the Lord works in our lives. And so, just a blessing uh, 
to, to this church, and we thank you, Brother Russ, for sharing today. I know that's not your thing, um, but I, I thank you for that. So uh, last week, as a uh, pastor was uh, preaching, um, you know, as, we, as this year it was uh, Steve Everett was here, and, and uh, they set, set me and Charla in as, uh, as elders, and uh, Steve said, are you ready for this? And I said, not, not, don't feel like I'm, I'm necessarily right there. I don't feel like I'm got the, the knowledge of the word like Pastor does and like Pastor Clark, and sometimes I feel inadequate. And I was just being transparent with him. And he said, well, brother, that's not your job. And I said, are you good? That's true. You're here to support and reaffirm. And so I just I felt peace in that moment. You know, I'm thankful for those words that Brother Steve uh, said. And so as Pastor was preaching last week, you know, it's not so easy for me to, to come up with a sermon. It takes me a long time. I would guess, because I question myself and I say, Lord, is this really what you want? you're saying to me or is this for your church? Or And so as, as Patrick, Pastor was preaching, you know, over the last month, the Lord's been kind of talking to me about renewing your mind. You know, I'm constantly looking, Lord, what do you need me to do? I want to be closer to the plan that you have for my life. And so as Pastor was preaching last week, he, he was reading out of Hebrews 9, 14, and he says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And, and Pastor began to speak about how, you know, sometimes we can, we can uh, you know, hold the sins from our past and, and how, how the Lord says our, our sins are as far from the east to the west, and, and it's hard to comprehend such a mighty God that he has the ability to forget, you know, and, and so um, he was going into that, and, and I was sitting in the chair, and the Lord said, as he was going into that, the Lord said to me, you know, sometimes we, as the body of Christ, or we, myself, we operate out of this mindset. Not only do we, do we have this guilt but we operate our lives out of that guilt, out of these mindsets. And that's what the Lord is truly dealing with in my life that, and in the body of, of, the church, the, our, of the Christ, that he wants us to get out of these mindsets. He, he, doesn't, he no longer wants us to operate out of those places of hurt, out of those places of, of thinking, corrupt thinking. And so the Lord has been working in my life, and, and um, thank, thank the Lord that he didn't call us because we were worthy, but he, he called us to make us worthy, right? He, it's a process. You know, sometimes we can get um, disillusioned or, or frustrated because, you know, we know the truth in our minds, and we know the work that he's done in the, in the circumcision of heart, and yet we, we, we continue maybe to struggle in our lives in areas where we're struggling with, and we say, Lord, we start to question maybe what was done there, and we can get frustrated. I know I've, I've, I've been there myself, and, but we know that the, the work of the Lord is a process. There's a further sanctification. There's a further change and renewing and transforming of our minds that needs to happen. 
The work is done. But it's but the Lord is bringing us into a new place, into a new thinking. And so I want us to hear this today because it's happening in my own life. There have been times when I question, and I wanted to share this with you today. Let's turn our Bibles to Exodus 13, 13 to 21. I wrote out all the verses, and this is in the New King James Version. It says, But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you, re- if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And at the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So shall it be when your sons ask you in the time to come, saying, What is this that you will say, By strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Hear that. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And it shall be a sign in your hand as frontlets between your eyes. Think about that. By the strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Verse 17, this is what I wanted us to to really fix on. The Lord's bringing his people out of Egypt. Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their what? Their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in an orderly rank out of the land of Egypt. Verse 17, lest the people change their minds. So there was two ways from Egypt to Canaan, and one was a few days' journey, and the other was not so much. It was further. It took a long time through the wilderness, And that's what God chose to lead his people. So there was a work that needed to be done in the Israelites. Even though they were set free. Even though they were walking as free men. Even though they had been restored. Uh, Pastor Clark talked about how the Lord restored the riches. For 435 years, they were enslaved. And they didn't leave Egypt poor, without anything. They left, they left with riches. The Lord had restored them with everything that they needed. And they were walking as free men. Yet there needed to be a change in their mindset. They needed their minds to be renewed. They needed to be set free, cleared, and cleansed. And the Lord knew that he needed to do this. We see this in Exodus, in the next chapter, 14, 10 to 12. He's, we see their mindset. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were afraid. And the children of Israel cried out. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us out to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt 
Is it not the word that, that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians that we should die in the wilderness. Free men here. Rich men. Everything that they have operating out of slavery. Out of a slavery mindset. Ready to, at any sense of tribulation or trial or any difficult time, ready just to jump back into the 435 years of what they were so used to. To go back after all that the Lord had done for them. All the signs that He had showed them. Everything that He had given them. So quickly be able to go back to what seemed so normal. Help us, Lord. These mindsets. And so, Jake, could you throw up that picture for me in the background? Sometimes this is how we can act in our own lives. So easy for us to fall back into patterns. And so I was on Facebook one time, and I have some friends still from Mexico that um, that I played football with, and, and one of my friends posted this, and it, it says, sometimes the, the mental bondages that we have are, are so much stronger than the physical bondages. You can see here the horse is tied up, bonded by something that's not even a quarter of its weight. He can walk away, yet he stays there because he's so used to being tied up used to being bonded. And sometimes that's how we can be in our own lives. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled with the yoke of bondage. As I was thinking about this example in the, with the Israelites and doing some, some soul searching of myself, uh, because oftentimes there have been times in my life where I can easily fall back into a of thinking uh, and I, I can fall back into ways of old thinking and it, the Lord brought me to Romans so I'd like us to turn our Bibles to Romans 1 24 to 32 and I realize here that Paul was writing to Rome the Christians in Rome and he was talking about uh, in the condition of the of the of the world at that time that seemed so pretty awful. And as I was reading through it, man, it sounded a lot like the time today. And so there let's read together. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged a natural use for what was against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving their natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what was shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind 
to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. As I was reading this, I was thinking, man, this sounds a lot like today. But guess what? It sounded a lot like the Israelites in, in, in Exodus, in Egypt. In Exodus 32, it says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed, again, this old mentality of, of pattern of when they saw, when they saw Pharaoh coming, they were afraid. And when they saw Moses delaying, again, they went back to that old mentality. And so how it, what Paul's writing to the Rome, it sounds like here today, it's the same old thing again in Exodus. In Exodus 32, it says, When they saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that we should go before us. For as for this Moses, this man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what he has become of him. And Aaron said to him, Break off the golden earrings which are the, in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, What? This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. They exchanged the truth for a lie. The same old thing. Two things here. In verse 28, it says, And even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. The amplified, I like the amplified version. It says, and since they did not seek fit to acknowledge God or consider him worth knowing, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Sometimes when we're in these situations, when we're believing our life, it's the same thing as not acknowledging who God is in our lives, what he has done for us, not desiring to know him in a further manner. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth with a lie and worshipped and served creature rather than the creator. So two things here. When, when we're talking about renewing our minds, the things that we need, we need to exchange, not exchange the truth for a lie, and we need our minds to acknowledge God. Um... So in Romans, as they exchange the truth of God for a lie, this is what I've experienced sometimes in my life as God has been working in me. 
Uh, many of times when I exchange the truth for a lie, it becomes a stumbling block for me. And sometimes this is how we begin to struggle and we get confused. And it's, it's not anything new. The devil's tricks are the same old tricks. He lied to Adam and Eve saying, maybe the Lord is keeping something from you, right? And they started to believe that lie. And they lost that through, then sin entered there, and they lost that communication with the Lord. Separation became into their lives. And it's the same old tricks, and it's the same old lies. And I often share uh, the story of my life and, and uh, something that I, that I went through when I was a young man of, of the lie that I received that I used to think that I was never man enough. That was uh, something that I, I heard maybe when I was growing up in, in our culture that was constant, you're not man enough. Or, and, and I constantly walked around through my youth not feeling adequate or not feeling man enough. And so through that lie, believing that lie, I, I became into a place where I was constantly trying to prove myself. And, and, and through that, I made a lot of bad decisions, trying to fit in with my peers, trying to prove myself to myself. <laughs> in this constant place of turmoil that I was in because I was believing this lie of, of that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't worthy enough. And so it caused me to enter into things that, that the Lord didn't want me to get into. And it cost me to seek, uh, seek approval in places and people that really the Lord didn't want me to seek approval in. Well, he said I was enough, and that was the truth. He made me just the way I am, and that was truly the truth. Yet I had taken this lie and replaced it with the truth. And through that, I made decisions that I, I regret. And through that, I got into stuff that developed habits that the Lord had to come and heal me of. And thank you, Lord, that he is faithful. And so there was no peace in my life. I was looking for approval, constant frustration. So we ask ourselves, how are Christians constantly influenced or so controlled by these lies? Aren't we saved? Aren't we bought by the blood of Christ? Yes, and we are set free. But the battleground is our mind. And the Lord is continuing to work in this battleground to bring freedom in these, in these places. Romans 12.2, it says... Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed in the renewing of your minds. Lord, renew our minds. Transform them. In order to renew and transform, the Lord has to uncover the lies that bind us. First, we need to know about what the truth is in order to uncover the lie. So, I want to kindly 
kind of go through the biblical definition or the godly definition of what truth is. Number one, truth is what is real. And what is real always comes from God. The Hebrew word for truth is emet. Emet refers to something that is true in essence. Just kind of three or four characteristics here of the word emet, the meaning. It means it is faithful. It is real. It is dependable. And it's powerful. Many times when we hear pastor preaching, right, or pastor Clark preaching, and something registers with our hearts, what do we say? We say, amen. Amen. Right? Amen comes from the word amen. What we're really saying is truth. Truth, brother. I agree with you. That's where that word comes from. In the New Testament, the word is aletheia. It refers to something that is real versus something that is fake. So if we apply that to the word amet, right? If we say, what is true, it's faithful, it's real, it's dependable, and it's powerful. Well, if we say what is not true, then it's unfaithful. Then it's unreal. Then it's undependable. And it's powerless. The only way that we empower empower the lie or the untruth is when we believe it. Another way to say it is this. When it comes when it concerns the Lord, when God speaks, the result is ordered. When God speaks the truth, the result will, will always be ordered. Here's an example of this. Psalms thirty three six it says the Bible says that God spoke the heavens into existence. He put order and brought wholeness and peace. It says that the world was chaos, right? It was it's just a jumble of stuff, but God spoke the heavens into existence. He brought order where there was none. He he spoke truth. He brought order. God's word always brings order. And when he brings order, the result But when we exchange the truth with a lie, our, our lives become out of order, and we lose that peace. Can you get, are you guys kind of following me? And so when we don't acknowledge God in the situation, we choose not to believe God, and it says we'd rather believe the lie and that, and of what that lie is saying, and we start to lose our peace because things are out of order. I like this, this also. When Christ came to the earth and the angels came and they announced it to the shepherds, what did they say? They said, peace is with us. Peace on earth. Prince of peace on earth. Jesus was coming to restore order and to bring peace. Can you hear that? Jesus himself was the incarnation of truth. 
coming to this world to restore order. Jesus said, did he not? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the true expression of all that God is. He is real. Thank goodness that Jesus was real. It's accounted for. There's eyewitnesses. He was real. He is the exact representation of God's heart towards you and me. That he came to restore, reconcile, and put us in proper order with God. To bring us peace. That's the truth. So the truth is is not just a collection of facts. But the truth is just the personified person of Jesus. So that's how we can distinguish a lie, Josh. That's how we can know what, what something's not the truth, CJ. When someone comes and says something to you, you just got to ask yourself, does that sound like Jesus? Does that look like Jesus? If not, it's a lie. It's pretty obvious now. It's, 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 there's no gray area. Jesus is the truth. So I don't want to get too caught up here. But I think we can't move on. But I want us to be very careful what we speak to each other. What we speak to our children. Husbands, what we speak to our wives. Wives, what we speak to our husbands. How can we apply this to our lives? Are we speaking truth to one another? So, Lord, in Deuteronomy 7, 1, said, When the Lord your God brings you into the lands you are entering to possess and drives out many of the nations, the Hittites, which is fear, the Girgashites, which is rejection, the Amorites, which is worthlessness, the Canaanites, which is shame. The Perizzites, which is insecurity. The Hivites, which is defilement. And the Jebusites, which is hopelessness. Moses crossed into the wilderness and he warned the people that they would encounter seven nations. Sometimes in our own lives, These are the areas, the old patterns that we're struggling with. Areas of lies that we've received, that we're fearful, that we're rejected, that we're worthless, that we're ashamed of, we're insecure of things, and that we're hopeless. Those are the lies that the Lord wants to bring truth to. The devil is a thief. And he is the father of lies. He's the source of these lies. He inspires fear and rejection. And Jesus made a way so that we would no longer be controlled by these lies. These nagging fears, these limiting thoughts. He made a way, and it is the truth. And it's to put us in perfect order with our God and have peace. 
Many times in our own lives, we can live in a manner that we don't even realize the patterns that we're living in. We're just, we're just, we've been doing it for so long that we, we don't even, it be, it's been the 430 years of our life and, and it's just become the new normal. Could be as simple as the way we react to stressful situations. I know this week, my reaction to when I lose my keys is extreme frustration. And I, and I was always driving to work this week. I said, why? Why? Why do I do that? That's not who God called me to be. And so we've been just doing it for so long. And the Lord has set me free from, from, from having a temper. But yet, I continue to operate out of this mindset. Hopelessness that seems so real at that moment when I can't find my keys. But yet God wants to take me out of that place. You know, some of these things in, in Romans are pretty serious and dysfunctional. But the Lord doesn't see it any different. When I lose my temper because I lose my keys or if I'm caught up in the sin of fornication or whatever it is. The Lord is bringing us into a complete work. It's not just, hey, a so-so, hey, he's pretty good. But the Lord wants us to bring us to a complete fullness, a wholeness, into an order, into a peace. When I react like that, there's no peace in my home. Everyone's And that's not the Lord's call to my family and to my home. And so all of us, all of us can really hear this today and say, Lord, what are the areas in my life that I don't even recognize anymore? The patterns of thinking, the patterns of behavior that I don't even see, Lord. Uncover them. Make me aware of them. Lord, I just ask you right now to uncover the hidden places in our lives. Help us to acknowledge the truth that you have spoken over us. Lord, the only, the only power that it has is the power that we give it. So let's turn our Bibles to Jeremiah 33. This is a prophecy of God that was entrusted to Jeremiah. It's a prophecy of restoration. And what I like about this chapter, it's, it's a prophecy of restoration in the midst of the bondage. In the midst of the... It's getting bad. It's really bad. It's in the midst of when Jeremiah is in prison says he's bound. I found it interesting that the Lord speaks to us when, when we're bound. <laughs> Spoke to Jeremiah when he was in prison. Paul, many of Paul's greatest letters were when he was in prison. 
God is no respecter of man-made prisons. So it is in our own lives. Not sure where we are or what prisons we have put ourselves in or other men have put us in. But the Lord is speaking to us right now. The Lord is speaking to you right now. He's speaking to those lies in our lives. Hear this truth. And so it says in 33, it says 6, or uh, this would be 3, I think. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. A second time. 32 is kind of the same prophecy. Thank the Lord that when there's hopelessness in our lives, he just doesn't stop speaking, right? Again, he's coming again to the children of Israel. Hope. Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it, and the Lord who established it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of the city and the houses of the king, kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds and the swords. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with dead bodies of men whom I slay in my anger and my fury all for whose wickedness I have hidden my face from the city. Verse 6. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Thank you, Lord. And it will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and I will rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from their iniquity by which they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by, they, by which they have transgressed against me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, who shall hear all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble for the goodness and the prosperity that I will provide for it. Verse 6, Behold, I will bring it health and healing. How, mo- how many of us need the Lord to heal us? How does He heal us? I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. The Lord is going to bring healing to our lives as he reveals to us his truth. Which, when he speaks to us truth, will bring order to our lives and bring peace. Thank you, Lord. That's a promise that we have. So, Lord, I ask you, I ask you to reveal to us your abundance of truth. An abundance of truth. Tear down the lies that we've been believing about ourselves. The lies that we've been believing about you. And give us your truth. 
The truth that he brings is healing. And it's not just a correction to the lie or to the experience that we've had or maybe someone has spoken to us. You know, sometimes the lies come in through an experience. It's not just something that someone said to us. We've, we live in a fallen world and we, we live in broken families. And sometimes there are things that we've experienced that introduce a lie into our life that we've been carrying with us for so long that we're struggling with. And those are the things that we struggle with that we just can't get over in our mindset. Or maybe there's been a time and a moment in our life where someone has said something to you that has really hurt you. And we've started to believe it. But the, the beautiful thing is the healing is not just the correction to that lie or the experience that someone, but the truth, the healing is his presence, him in itself in our lives. The abundance of his presence in our lives. I, I often think about this that the Lord is speaking truth over us. And uh, when, we, uh, when we had Micah, I, I was nervous. <laughs> I said, man, I'm a father. And I know how, how sensitive I was as a son. And how I looked back on my life and I said, Man, this, this thing, this, this moment, this word, th these things really impacted my life. And I began to think, Lord, man, I, I have to be so careful with what I say to Micah. And as I was reading, doing this study, I remembered a verse that we put up on, on Micah's wall. And every night, we would say the verse with Micah. And we would do a puppet show about the verse with Micah. And we drew a picture of the verse with Micah. And it was this verse, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. The thing that I want Micah to know more than anything is that the Lord is in his midst. His presence is real in his life. If there's anything that I can get to the young people is that the Lord is in your midst. He's with you. We have the truth with us. We have the truth that sings over us. We have the truth that rejoices over us. We have his love that quiets us in such a noisy world when things are so crazy when the hurts are so real, he's 
He's a God rejoice to be in your presence. And if Micah could just grasp this, if he just could just get a hold of this, that would make him successful. We all want our kids to be successful trying to figure out ways to send Micah to the best school to make sure he has the hardest throw in baseball. I work with him, but the best thing that I could give him is that he would know the truth. That he would know the truth. Our restoration comes from truly knowing him and having intimacy with the truth. It's God that destroys every lie that we believe about God and ourselves. It's Him. God is desiring to bring us into that truth, into that peace, into that proper order, into that intimate fellowship with Him. That's what He desires. Psalms 107 verse 20, it says, He sent His world, word and it healed. Let's just bow our heads. Lord, we just thank You for Your word today. There is none like You. You came and You overcome. And You're still overcoming. It's done. It's finished, Lord God. You set us free. We were once bound by sin and once bound by all of these things that, that we brought into our lives. But Lord, you came and you set us free. Thank you, Lord. But Lord, we need you to transform our minds. We need you to bring healing to those areas in those places. Lord, I ask you right now, every one of us, that you would whisper to our hearts. Lord, maybe our hearts have been hardened because we've been living the same way for so long. And maybe our minds no longer want to acknowledge who you are in that situation, in that place in our lives. But Father God, I ask you to speak truth into those places right now, Father God. Lord, we want all that you have for us. We, we want everything, Father God, that you have for us. And so, Lord, bring us to an intimate place, Father God. Restore the order in our lives, Father God, that we can have full fellowship with you and peace. Lord, we live in a in a, in a world that is desiring something so real. All they want is something that's real. Someone's who, someone who, whose words are dependable, who are faithful, who have power. And Lord, that's you. Those are your words. So we just ask, Father God, that you would work in our hearts today. 
don't let us continue on the way we've been going, Father God. Living in the same old patterns over and over. And bring healing to our lives. We thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.